we were uh, talking earlier, telling you that uh, uh, Ukraine's President uh, Zelensky has touched down in Washington and is meeting uh, with President Joe Biden uh, as we speak. Uh, and this is uh, obviously quite significant in the sense it's his first uh, foreign trip since Russia invaded uh, Ukraine way back when. And you have to think there is significance in the sense that what will the parting gift be as uh, he takes off uh, back home. You also can't lose uh, lose sight of the fact that hours ago this man was in a war zone uh, hearing bombs going off. Now he's in the lap of luxury in Washington. Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University, with us now. Elliot, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Thank you. Same to you, Scott. Elliot, so many questions here, so I'll let you go. But how significant is this? Um, why is this happening now? And are we to expect that there's an announcement or a parting gift with this in some way? It's very significant. You have two wartime leaders. And we have to recall what's happened. We're at the end of this year now, but at this year started with an illegal invasion of, by a major power of its of its uh, neighboring state for no reasons whatsoever, except they wanted to do so. This has been a reversal of everything that's been built up since the Second World War. Russia has invaded Ukraine and has been mercilessly bombarding it in all kinds of ways. So what we're seeing now is the logical downstream result of that, not necessarily the inevitable result. Um, Mr. Putin thought he was going to, literally for a walk in the park. He thought we'd have a one-week one war. And then uh, that didn't work out. And as you know, the war aims have continued to shift. So we now have a situation where the U.S. has rallied very highly successfully resistance to that kind of behavior in, in this era. But that is the behavior we're dealing with. So therefore, the meeting of the two wartime leaders, which is what is happening right now as we speak, is very significant indeed. So why now? Are we to assume there's an announcement coming at the end of this? I think why now is uh, an interesting question in and of itself. They wanted to meet earlier, keeping in mind that uh, these two leaders speak often uh, by video and other means, that uh, Mr. Zelensky actually has already addressed a joint session of Congress. He's about to do it live, apparently, this evening. Why now is that uh, we're facing a kind of a juncture in the war, and the differences between the two approaches are going to probably come into uh, focus in quiet off-the-record, out-of-our-sight meetings. The U.S. would like to be sure that Ukraine is able to hold off the Russian advance, whereas Ukraine wants to be sure that the momentum they've built up will continue. That's two different kinds of ways of thinking about the nature of the war and, therefore, the weapon systems that are required. Uh, Ukraine has been told all along that they are not permitted to use Western weapons directly to attack Russia because Biden, quite correctly, does not want to lead into World War III. He cannot have a direct Western or NATO confrontation with Russia. So the weapons that have been given up until now are specifically designed not to reach deep into Russia, but now increasingly, uh, because of the effectiveness and the bravery of the Ukrainian army and the leadership represented by their President Zelensky, the Russians have been put on the back foot and therefore are increasing their lethality in what they're up to now. The demolishing of the infrastructure for energy is a major, on the outset of war, is a major attack. So uh, the U.S. has been steadily, along with allies, including us, 
increasing the capacity to defend whatever Russia is throwing at them. The announcement that has been made officially as of today to answer one of your questions, is now official what's been reported, re rumored and reported. The U.S. will, providing, will be providing the Patriot missile system, uh, a, a major upgrade into the defensive, defensive capabilities of Ukraine. It will take a while for them to get there, but it puts Russia on notice that they are not going to go unchallenged in the kind of um, assault that they've been undertaking recently. So what's Putin's reaction to this? What's China's reaction to this? Well, that's always a good question in terms of China. They all along have said all we really want is a peaceful solution. But at the same time, they're basically backstopping and bankrolling uh, the Russian uh, invasion by buying the oil at a good discount. So is India, too, by the way, and some others. But the uh, Chinese keep saying we're not actually promoting this. We don't really like, in principle, the idea that you can change borders by invasion. <laughs> that goes against their national interest. But quite, queer, quite clearly, uh, the, this duopoly that is intended, China wants to work with Russia to change the geopolitics of the world. And had Russia succeeded in its initial assault on Kiev and incorporated Ukraine, it would have significantly altered the power balance in the world. So China has an interest here. Russia has responded by, just before this visit, uh, Mr. Putin actually meeting for the first time with a number of his top defense officials uh, publicly and saying, once again, uh, well, first of all, saying something he hasn't said. We realize basically that errors have been made. We are listening. We're going to correct our behavior. We're going to be more effective. But he once again raised a nuclear threat. And I think that's the most dangerous part of all of this. The possibility that this will spill out into a nuclear confrontation or unilaterally that Russia would use nuclear weapons still remains on the table. And very recently, uh, with every escalation of capacity by Ukraine to defend itself, Russia continues to raise that possibility. And that's perhaps one of the most significant reactions you can possibly ask for. Is the nuclear reaction to uh, this new missile system that they will get, Ukraine will get from U.S.? I think it was uh, in, in anticipation that Russia would face increasingly effective countermeasures to the types of weapons they have been using. Um, quite clearly, the West, and starting with the U.S., has said we will not provide what Ukraine needs and has asked for from day one, since February 24th, a no-fly zone. There will not be a no-fly no fly zone declared by the West. That is, anything that comes in will be shot down by the West. That's not going to happen. But increasingly, ground-based weapons, and now uh, with the Patriots, they can also, to the degree Russia, uh, so uh, the Ukraine still has uh, fighter planes, they can really arm their missiles in a more sophisticated fashion as well. But the ground war and some of the uh, new capacity, capacities by Patriots will escalate the potential to disrupt what Russia is doing. Uh, again, this just seems like it's delaying the inevitable. Um, how does Ukraine get through the winter? Can they? Yes. The question is, which is the inevitable? And that's what the conversations are in yeah. Washington. The inevitable, according to Washington, although they won't say it this way, they've, they've sent many signals, is some kind of a stalemate, that there's no way that in the long run, Ukraine can defend itself against the much, much larger military forces and capacity to bring in new military forces that are there. And keeping in mind, again, that uh, all these weapons are not 
permitted to be used directly against Russia itself. So you can't take out the rear for you can't take out all the uh, firing capacity that's there. But the Ukrainians are saying there's only one way this can win, not by stalemate, not by giving us enough defensive weapons. Give us what we need uh, to mm. continue an offensive mm. uh, push until victory. So the uh, medal that was just given by uh, the Ukrainian president to the American president was sent from Bakhmut, a, a, a town that the Russians have been mercilessly pounding. That hasn't uh, succeeded yet. Meanwhile, the Ukrainians are uh, relying, by the way, on U.S., un undoubtedly their intelligence operations, security uh, cooperation and by satellites and others, know where the weak spots are for the Russians. The Ukrainians want to push basically to sever the connection between North and South above Kherson, and thereby they hope to collapse the Russian army, and then there's an access route directly to Crimea. But essentially, they need to keep Crimea tied down so they can't send more troops in. So, and meanwhile, there's a real threat, and this is something to watch for, Scott. There's a real threat that Russia is now going to major launch a major counterattack, uh, perhaps out of Belarus once again, trying to take Kiev as they tried in the initial phases of the war. That's mm. already draining resources away from the front on the other end. So this war is by no means over. It, there will be no Christmas truce. The, what's going on in Washington now is what kind of um, offensive or defensive capabilities Ukraine can continue to mount. And I always have to emphasize to you and others that Ukraine is paying a terrible cost for this. We focus on the cost of the Russians, hmm. the loss of their generals and all that, and how many troops they're losing, and the Wagner group bringing in mercenaries and emptying out prisons and the collapse of the Russian army here and there. But the Ukrainians are fighting alone, and they're paying a terrible Damn. cost. And we are there, we meaning Canada, because we're part of this. We're there to help them defend themselves and perhaps to gain their freedom completely from the Russian offensive. Elliot Tepper with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University, Ukraine's President Zelensky meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden in Washington as we speak. As always, Elliot, thanks for the time. Be well. Thank you. Same to you, Scott. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.